Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. St. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna in what is now modern-day Turkey. This was early in the second century, and, and Polycarp had actually been taught by the Apostle John himself. Polycarp had dedicated most of his life to leading the church, training up others in the faith. And during a time of great persecution, Polycarp's house was surrounded, he was arrested, and taken off to be executed. He was told that if he would just renounce his faith, he would be set free. But he replied, for 86 years... I have served my Christ, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my God and my Savior? After those words, he was burned at the stake, and yet even in his dying, the people around recorded that he was full of great joy and confidence. St. Elizabeth of Hungary was born and raised into royalty. And despite the fact that she was surrounded by leisure and opulence and luxury and everything her heart could desire, she decided to dedicate her life to prayer, to piety, and to generosity. She would feed the hungry and care for those in need. After her husband's death, she then founded a hospital in honor of St. Francis of Assisi, and she dedicated the rest of her short life to serving the sick. Eventually, she herself became quite ill, most likely from one of her patients, and she died just before her 24th birthday. And yet, in recognition of her life of love and service, she was named a saint only four years after her passing, something unheard of nowadays. Today, we celebrate All Saints Day a wonderful, beautiful, great feast of the church from which this parish gets its name. If you didn't know, you're at All Saints Church in Chevy Chase. All right, this is a beautiful, wonderful day, and it truly is full of celebration, and there is much to celebrate. We celebrate the lives of the saints gone past, Elizabeth, Polycarp, and others. Tonight at 4 o'clock, we will have an even song here, a choral sung even song, and I hope you'll come back at 4 for that in the reception. We celebrate one year of the renovations on our organ and the new console that was dedicated just a year ago. And perhaps my favorite bit of all is we get to celebrate some brand new saints, two beautiful children being baptized here this morning as Summer and Ginger receive the sacrament of baptism. Love All Saints Day, love baptisms, love this whole thing. But I don't know if you're like me, but on All Saints Days, when you read the lives of the saints, do you ever wonder what makes them so different? How could they possibly give up so much to serve other people? How could they willingly suffer so much and still be filled with joy? I don't want to do either one of those things. I like luxury, opulence, and ease of life. So how does this work? Why do they do it? Well, let me encourage you to pull out your bulletin and turn to the Beatitudes because I think they have much to say about this. Specifically, I want to highlight three traits in the Beatitudes that I think help us to understand the lives of the saints and indeed the calling on our lives as well. 
The first trait that's emphasized, I think, here in the Beatitudes is humility. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek, they all need to rely on God, not in themselves and their own abilities. They can't do it themselves. They have to look upwards. They need God to provide for all that they need. They're impoverished. They need God to give them peace and comfort in the midst of their deepest pain and grief because they're suffering. And they need to submit to God's wisdom and control instead of doing things their way because His way is better. They can't do it on their own, and quite frankly, neither can we. And that is a tough pill to swallow because we want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, do things our way, get back up on that horse and try and try again. But we need God. And so Jesus here in the Beatitudes calls us all to humble ourselves, admit that we can't do this thing called life on our own, and to actually ask for help. And are you like me? Do you find it easier to give help than to ask for help? Hmm, it's tough. Whether we're actually rich or impoverished, whether we've got it all together or think we do or not, whether we're successful or our career is a mess, and whether life is going great or it's all falling apart, we all need to realize that we need God every single step and every moment of the day. While we think we can do it on our own, we cannot. We need God and I think this is what the saints do well. They humbly rely on God, admitting that they need help and turning to Him to guide and provide. So that's the first thing, humility. Second, the Beatitudes emphasize holiness. And again, this is a great word we all love to pursue, right? Holiness, do the right thing, avoid the bad and all that. Yay! This means living the way God wants us to live, and that's hard, and sometimes it can feel almost oppressive. And yet this follows from the first point, because if we can fully and humbly rely on God, we can trust Him to take care of all of our needs, then doesn't that lead you to want to please Him? Have any of you ever had a boss that you could really trust to have your best interest at heart? And then when they ask you to do something, you're like, yeah, no problem. Anybody? I do now, <laughs> not back in, you know, the former times, <laughs> right? This type of helps. If we, can, if, we can, uh, if we know God's love, if we know He loves us, we want to do what He says. And this is what hungering and thirsting for righteousness is all about. This is what it means to be pure in heart, is to desire what God loves and to strive to, way, to live the way He wants us to live. And for an illustration on this, I'm going to channel my inner Ed Kelleher here. And I'm going to use a, 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 an illustration of Italian food. My father says that he had a friend in college who was very gregarious, outgoing, loved other people. Until the food arrived. And when they would bring him out a plate of linguine with white clam sauce, he would put his arms around the bowl and you were dead to him. Nothing else mattered for the next 15 minutes as he ate. You ask him a question, you got no response. You wanted him to do something, nothing happening. He was laser-focused on the food. And that's what we're called to be. 
is laser focused on the will of God, doing what he wants, not being distracted by what's around us, by greed and violence, lust, bitterness, deceit, or gluttony, but focusing laser pointed on justice, love, hospitality, generosity, and compassion, living our lives in prayer, worship, and repentance when we go astray, realizing it's not my way that matters, once again, it's God and His way that matters. And that is so hard. It is so hard to be that laser-focused, but that's what holiness is. And that's what we see at work in saints like Polycarp, because holiness mattered more than his own life. So we have humility, we have holiness, and finally the Beatitudes, and I wish I had another H, but they emphasize love. Or as the late great Bishop Salmon would say, it's all about relationships. Merciful and peacemaking people care about relationships. They care about building up relationships and loving other people. And so they show compassion, not contempt. They encourage other people, not insult them. They care more about reconciliation than about being right. And they're willing to forgive instead of holding grudges. We all may have seen this at work in Christians who are willing to love, love all people, even people who hurt them or annoy them or don't get the hint. They're willing to help other people and fix relationships, even if, they, if it's their relationships that are broken or someone else's, they want to bring things back together. They're willing to welcome people that no one wants around and keeps trying to push away. And they work towards peace and justice throughout the world and especially in their own communities. And that's what we see in great saints like Elizabeth of Hungary, a life of love that is sacrificially committed to serving people in need, no matter what the cost might be to myself. Humility, holiness, and love. Three great themes of the Beatitudes. And I think those three things are what makes the lives of the saints so different. And I say different because as we look out at the rest of the world, we don't find people living like this very often. Doesn't our society, ourselves, our culture, don't we celebrate getting things our way, right? What is it? Is it Burger King, have it your own way? Don't we want to make our own destiny, set our own goals, work in that direction, do it ourselves? Don't we all celebrate being rich, famous, respected, influential, or getting all the stuff, the comfort, the romances, the vacation, the education, or whatever else it is you want? That's the stuff I want, don't you? Right? This is what we crave. This is what we see everywhere. Get it yourself. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And then the saints live differently. This is what we crave, these selfish things. We spend so much time and energy trying to acquire these things, then we see the lives of the saints, we see the Beatitudes, and it's so radical and different because it reminds us that the world is upside down. The world has been totally turned upside down because of sin. And I'm going to use this as an example here. Upside down man here, right? 
We have this upside-down man, and we see him and we see things through this lens so often that we feel like this is the way the world is supposed to be. We're blind. We know it's a little disoriented, but this is the way it's supposed to go. But then Jesus shows up. Through his death and resurrection, he comes and he shows us a brand new way of life and a brand new way of looking at things. And so he turns the world right side up and he sets us free to see things the way they're supposed to be. And when we look at things right side up, we realize how messed up everything actually was all along. And for those of you in the back, you might not be able to see it, but his eyes and his mouth are still upside down. It doesn't look like it like this, but when you flip it, the, those of you in front, ooh and ah for me, <laughs> right? But this is what ends up happening with this, because God, through Jesus, he sets the world right side up, and we see how broken and upside down and messed up this place is. And as the saints of God see this, they want to do something about it. They want to take Christ into this upside-down world by living in humility, holiness, and love. Now, you might say, well, that's easy for them. They're the saints of God. I can't do this. Anybody else ever think that? You can't live like this? Just, just me? Right? Yeah, you know what? You're right. You can't live like this, at least not by yourself. And neither could the saints. The saints are not special people. They're not superheroes. They don't wear a giant S on their shirt for saint. They're ordinary people. They're just like us. But they're ordinary people who are faithful to Jesus. They're faithful to the gospel. They look out and they recognize that the world indeed is an upside-down mess. And so they want to live differently. They want to fix their eyes on Jesus, rely on God, and then take Christ into this messed up, upside-down world. And they do so with humility, with holiness, and with love. And you know what? That is precisely our calling here today. You know why? Because we are the saints of God. We are the saints of God. The song we just sang right before our gospel was read, the very first verse says this, let saints on earth in concert sing with those whose work is done for all the servants of our King in heaven and earth are one. We are joined with the saints who have gone before us. Through our faith and baptism, God has set us apart. He's declared us holy, and He has made us His children. That's what the first John reading said. And that means we are His saints, His holy ones. And these two beautiful children who are about to have water poured on their heads, they are going to leave this church today as saints of God. They will be His children. God is going to seal them by the Holy Spirit in baptism and mark them as Christ's own forever. For the rest of their lives and for all eternity, they will be stamped, I belong to Jesus. And for those of us who have faith in Christ and have baptized, been baptized, we have that stamp too. And so He calls us, like He has of the saints of old, to live lives of humility, holiness, and love. All Saints' Day is not about the saints of the past, Polycarp, Elizabeth, and others. It's not about them. It's about us. 
It's about us. So because we are saints of God, let us ask ourselves some three introspective questions here. How can I better fix my eyes on Jesus? In what areas of my life do I need to rely on God more? And how is He calling me to take Christ to this upside-down, messed-up world? The answer to those questions will lead you to live a different life. It will lead you to lead the life that Jesus Himself also lived, as that cross so perfectly shows. It will unite us of the saints in the past, the saints of the future, and with God's help, we can follow all of their examples, like Polycarp and Elizabeth, like Jesus Himself, and we can live in true Christ-like humility, holiness, and love. Amen? Amen.